Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Delighted and privileged to be your pastor. Welcome to those of you in the overflow this morning. God bless you to the Franklin campus. Pastor Eric, we love you. God bless you. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 in the sermon series entitled Ecclesia. The word Ecclesia means church. It also means in the Greek, called out ones. It's sort of on the screen there. You you could have cheated. Called out ones. We're talking about the church for these weeks now, talking about what the Bible says about the church. The definition of church that I gave you last week was simple. The church is the people called by God, transformed through Christ and possessed by the Holy Spirit to praise and glorify him forever. Very, very simply, the church is the people called out by God, transformed through Christ and possessed by the Holy Spirit to praise and glorify him forever. The church is not the building. The church is not the meeting that you go to on Sunday. The church is the people. And the church has to do with God's eternal plan, an incredible plan to bring everything and everyone in all creation together into perfect harmony through Christ. That's God's big plan, and that's where the church comes in. The church is that expression, the, the, the way that God is going to accomplish his purpose to bring everything to Christ. We are the ones who are now responsible for fulfilling God's vision, God's dream for the world. We are the church. This morning in this worship service, I've already had a midlife crisis. If you had one, I'm I'm 45 years old, which means I am probably officially there, baby, midlife. If I even can hope to live to 90, I have seen uh, seen the the middle. Uh, One of the hymns we sang in worship this morning, though, was a song that we sang together at my ordination into ministry. And I am blessed to serve the church that ordained me something like 25 years ago. We were all children then, 25 years ago. And I'll just never forget kneeling in front of you and having you come by and lay your hands upon me and pray those beautiful blessings for me. And it's 25 years later. And that night at my ordination, there there were so many... So many dreams that you had for me and dreams that we had for one another and dreams that I had for myself. And I just think, my goodness, 25 years have gone by and what am I doing? Well, what am I accomplishing? And it's not about me. It's not for myself. It's for the Lord. I live for the Lord. I, I live for him. I want to serve him. If I do not fulfill, forget my dream, if I do not fulfill his dream for my life, I am a waste of breath and skin. Do you understand? I'm a waste. I live to serve him. I want to serve him. I do not want to stand before him one day and recognize that I did not do everything he had for me. And time runs out. I get so jealous for the young people, not jealous for their youth, just sort of jealous for the years. I wish I had years back. I wish I could go back and I wish I could serve with more fire and more dedication and more intensity. I just wish, I wish. But listen, we only have today. We only have the future. We only have what God gives us. And we live to serve him. We are his people, called by him, transformed through Christ, possessed by his spirit. We're supposed to praise and glorify him forever. He has work for us to do. 
And that's where Romans 12 comes in. He has work for us to do. We've been talking about God's big, great, big plan for the church, the great, big church. And understand, Woodburn Baptist Church is is a small part, a tiny part of God's great, big church, a universal, invisible, amazing church. We're a small part of that. And you and I, we are small parts of Woodburn Baptist Church. And believe it or not, it all comes down to us. And and this is what Romans 12 has to say. Listen to what the Word of God says to you this morning. It's very, very simple. Take out a pen, please. Get in the habit of writing in your Bible. Make your Bible yours. Take out a pen because there's a very, very simple instruction for you that will mess you up in the most wonderful way if you catch hold of it this morning. Romans chapter 12. Listen for what God wants you to do. Romans chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to, here it is, give your bodies to God. Let that sink in. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by, underline this, changing the way you think. God wants to change the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. My my goodness, those verses are amazing. Verse 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Stop right there. Keep on praying. One of my favorite stories about Warren Weeks is a story he tells on himself. Warren was coming uh, out of surgery one day. He'd had some sort of surgery. And Margie, his wife, was, was waiting in, in the waiting room there. It had been some time. The surgery was concluded. But the nurse finally came out uh, to Margie and said, Are you Mrs. Weeks? Margie said, Yes, I'm, I'm Mrs. Weeks. He said, Would you come back with us? We want you to come and, 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 and see your husband. We're a little bit concerned about him. 
Marge said, oh, they said, yeah, we're just not sure that he's coming out of the anesthesia very well. His vital signs are good, but we're just not, not sure he's coming out well, coming out of the anesthesia well. So Margie stepped back with the nurse. The nurse took back to where Warren was. And Margie said, what, what do you think the problem is? The nurse said, well, it's his color. He's coming out of anesthesia, but, but we're just not satisfied with his color. Do you see how white and pasty he is? Margie looked at Warren, looked back at the nurse and says, oh, he's fine. That's just how he looks. <laughs> Warren, you were this close to waking up in the morgue, baby. You almost woke up in the morgue. Isn't that amazing? Oh, he's fine. That's just how he looks. Let's buy this man a, a, a tannin bed, tannin bed gift certificate uh, for Pastor Appreciation Week. Yeah, Warren, I love that story so much. That's Warren's story. That's just how he looks. It reminds me of most every church I've ever been in. And on certain Sundays, including this one. What I want to say is, what I think we need to understand is, in our lives, most of us have never really seen a church alive. We have never really seen Christians on fire, Christians serving God enthusiastically with the whole of their heart and the whole of their lives, giving their bodies to God. We don't see that very often. And because we haven't seen living, breathing, on-fire churches very often in our lives, for the most part, most of us think that, that, that dead churches are, are typical. We're so used to looking at lifeless, breathless, passionless churches, lifeless, breathless, passionless Christians, that we've come to think that that is normal. We really wouldn't recognize a living, breathing, on-fire church if we saw it. We would probably think that they were extreme. When we encounter in our lives real Christians, I mean Christians on fire. I mean Christians who have a, a vision and a passion for their lives from God, who are truly possessed by the Holy Spirit and have given their bodies to God. When you meet a Christian like that, you probably think she's crazy as a bat, don't you? When we see Christians who live the way Christians are supposed to live, if we were ever to see a church that would be a reflection of the church that Christ died for, we would probably think it was weird. We would never really recognize the signs of life. Just like we don't miss the signs of life when we don't see them in our own church or in our own Christian lives. We've been looking at dead churches so long, we think it's normal. We've been worshiping and walking among dead Christians for so long that we don't even recognize the stench of it around our own selves. I'm trying to say that we are such a pale, lifeless reflection of what Christ died to make us to be. His church, His church. The only thing I can figure, and I think the only thing we can conclude, is that the reason there are so many dead Christians and the reason there's so many dead, lifeless churches is because we like it that way. There must be something that we like about churches that are dead, churches that are not growing, churches that are not changing, churches that are not fulfilling their purpose in Christ. There must be something about a dead church that we like, or else we wouldn't continue to find ourselves in dead churches. What do you think it is? I, I think it's real simple. It takes absolutely zero energy to maintain a dead church. It takes absolutely zero energy to maintain a dead Christian life in your own, in your own selves. It takes zero sacrifice. 
you understand? If we were going to live for Christ, if we're really going to sacrifice for him and be his church and fulfill his purpose for the world, then understand, that's going to call for sacrifice on our part. We're going to have to pay a price for that. Wait just a minute, Brother Tim. I thought Jesus paid it all. I don't believe in work salvation. I, I believe in grace. Listen, I believe in grace too. The salvation that I enjoy through Christ, it's a free gift. I don't deserve it. I am the biggest sinner in this room. I promise you that. Nothing, nothing I've done would earn my salvation or my grace from God. It is all a gift. I believe that. My salvation, my adoption into God's family, that's a free gift that I can do nothing to earn. But now you listen to me. My salvation is free. But Jesus says if anybody is going to be my disciple... They're going to have to pick up their cross and follow me. And you listen to me. While the Christian life, the the salvation part is free, the Christian life that God calls us to live, it is costly. It's a costly discipleship. It's going to cost something from you. It's going to demand personal sacrifice. Personal sacrifice. And that's why most churches are dead. That's why if you were honest with yourself, in your own soul, there's something dead in you. It is simply because while you are enjoying the free gift of salvation, you are not interested whatsoever in the cost of discipleship, the cost of following the Lord. It's a sacrifice. It's a complete sacrifice. Back to the scripture with me, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Most amazing verse, simply the most amazing verse. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to say these words. Give your bodies to God. I plead with you to give your bodies to God. What is God looking for? Very, very simply, available bodies. God is looking for available bodies. And when you give your life to him, when you become a Christian, if you have a genuine salvation experience, there's a transformation that takes place and there are some things exchanged. Christ gives you his forgiveness. Christ gives you his righteousness. Christ gives you the eternal security of your salvation. And in return, you give him your body. You give him your life. You surrender your heart to him. It is costly. It costs you everything. You have to die with him, spiritually die, so that you can give yourself, give your body to him. This is what the scripture says. Do you understand? Last week we were talking about God's great plan for the world, his great mysterious plan awesome plan for the world to bring everything into perfect harmony through Christ. That's what God's doing. It's what he was always intending to do from the very foundation of the world to create and call out a people that would praise and glorify him forever. It's what God was always doing. And that plan now shows its expression in the church. This is where the plan has come, to the place where God now has in the world his church, the people called out by him, the people transformed through Christ and possessed by the Holy Spirit. God has his people now. And it is our job, therefore, to fulfill God's plan for the world, to bring everything and everybody into perfect harmony through Christ. That's what God is doing, and that's what God is doing through the church, the church, big church, capital C, the church all over the world, in all times, in all places, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, the church. But understand, 
our local church, Woodburn Baptist Church here in, and in Franklin, Woodburn Baptist Church is a part of that great big church. We are a small, tiny, tiny part of the great big church. But what that means is Woodburn Baptist Church has a part to play in what God wants to do in the whole world. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And it's much, much larger than this Sunday morning. Do you understand that? It's so much larger than just the people gathered here in this room. God's dream for our church is is amazing and awesome. And we only have the shortest amount of time to accomplish what he has for us. We have a part to play. And what God wants to do in the whole world, Woodburn Baptist Church. But let's just keep breaking it down. You and I, we're a part of Woodburn Baptist Church. So if God has a purpose for Woodburn Baptist Church, then you and I have our part to play in that purpose. Do you follow me? You and I have our personal part to play. We have our personal share of the work that comes down to us. It is the reason that you live. It is the reason that you have been created. Now, I know that your boss at work would like you to believe that the whole reason you live and breathe is to serve the factory, to work for the, for the government. You understand? That's what the world wants you to believe, that your purpose has something to do with, with the world and, and the systems of the world. The other kids at school, they do not fathom that God has a big purpose for their lives. They just imagine that their whole life is about dragging themselves out of bed and texting through the whole day downloading music for free. Do you understand? It's the way the world thinks. But we're not supposed to think like the world. We're supposed to have our minds transformed so that we can understand God's will for our lives, our personal lives. You have a part to play in what God is doing in the whole world. That's why the scripture says you must give your body to God. Give your body to God. That's hard for some of us because when we think about our bodies, we don't like what we think about. Some of you are at war with your body all of the time. You don't like your body. Right now, you, you, you bought that book back at the beginning of the year about how to get you know, six-pack abs like in six weeks. And you had that in January. So that makes it like you know, 10 months old now. And you're supposed to have six-pack abs in, in, in six weeks and it's been 10 months. And, and you've got more like, well, I don't know what, like a barrel? It's not coming together for you. We don't think about our bodies the way God thinks about our bodies. We think about our bodies from the outside like as something to look at because we usually experience our own body in the mirror. We have a body image, Oprah tells us, and you're supposed to have a positive body image. In other words, you're supposed to like what you see. I don't know about that. I'm looking at you people right now. I don't know, and you're looking at me. I don't know if it's about liking what we see because I really don't think that our bodies were made for us. My body was not created for me, so I can feel comfortable and confident in a Speedo on the beach in July. Do you understand? That's not what my body's for. God did not create your body so that you could have a a 29-inch waist all the way until your retirement years. you understand? God didn't create your body for you. It's not supposed to be your body, not your body, it's God's body. You give your body to God. In other words, you make your body available for work. Your body, my body, is to be a tool in God's hand. I am to be a living sacrifice for God. 
that, that word sacrifice. Are you familiar with that? Because it's very common in, in, in all kinds of world religions. Everything sort of depends upon a, a sacrifice. Even pagan religions, even those who've never heard the gospel, they have this sense that because of our lives, because of something broken in the state of the world, something ought to suffer, something ought to die. And that's why in the center of all world religions, there's some sort of sacrifice, some sort of dying. So understand, in, in, in most situations, if you are invited to a religious ritual, you don't want to be the sacrifice. You do not want to be the sacrifice. I, I, I'll, I'll kind of date myself here, but I'm already having my midlife crisis. Y'all remember the very, very last episode of Gilligan's Island? The last original episode where King Kilawani came to the island looking for the white goddess, do you remember? And he found Mrs. Hal and Ginger and Mary Ann, and, and he was looking for his white goddess to take back to his island and marry the volcano god. But you remember what happened? The white goddess was going to be thrown into the volcano. So that's when Gilligan dressed up like a woman and called himself Gileana. Do you remember that? Gilligan was going to be the white goddess and thrown into the volcano. Do you understand? They were going to throw him in the volcano. That's a sacrifice. And most religions have something to do with sacrifice. When invited to a religious ritual, just a rule of thumb, you don't want to be the sacrifice. It never turns out good for the sacrifice because the sacrifice is going to die. The sacrifice is going to pay. The sacrifice is going to bleed. So Romans 12 says, I, I beg you, I plead with you, to give your body to God as a sacrifice. But what kind of sacrifice? This is the beautiful part. As a, say the word, living. As a living sacrifice. My body's a sacrifice. My life is a sacrifice. And yet I live. I live because of Christ. I live because Christ himself became the ultimate sacrifice so that I no longer must die. I no longer must pay the price for my sins. He paid the price as the ultimate sacrifice for all of our lives. So now we, the sacrifices for him, we live. We're living sacrifices. My body is available to God every single day. Are you getting this? Are you understanding this? This is why you live. This is why God put breath in your lungs today. It's why he lets you live every single day. It's because he has work for you to do. God has a purpose, a dream for your life. Don't you understand this? You probably don't, because honestly, the scripture says right here, you have to have your mind transformed through Christ so that you can understand God's will, his perfect and pleasing will for your life. You can't think this way on your own. You've really got to have the mind of Christ. But it is the reason you live, to be a living, holy sacrifice for him. What it means very, very simply is every single morning when you wake up, you just simply say, God, here I am. Here I am. I am available for you. Whatever it is I do today and whatever it is you need done, I am here for you. I live for you. I serve you. My life is in your hands. I am your sacrifice. So whatever it is you do from that point, do you understand? You do it for him. If the day takes you into South Warren High School or Bowling Green High School or Franklin Simpson High School, don't you understand? You're there for him. 
you're there for God because there are an awful lot of kids at your school who really need to have their lives brought into perfect harmony through Christ. And that's why you're there. They need to hear. If you laugh at their jokes, if you just continue to, to, to smile through their parties as if their lives were not far from Christ, you're not doing your job. Wherever you go, whatever it is you do, you're there for him. You understand? You're living for him. And you want to make yourself available for him to use you. Give your body to God. Which brings us to spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Talked about them all my life. Heard about them all of my life. And honestly, when we talk about spiritual gifts, gifts from the Spirit, that the Spirit gives everyone something that they do especially well, the Scripture says, so that we can serve God. And so that we can work for the common good, the common benefit of the whole church. Spiritual gifts. But honestly, when we talk about spiritual gifts, about half the time, we make it sound more like America's got talent. Like Woodburn's got talent. And here on, on this side is a lady who sings like an opera star. And on this side is the guy who can swallow swords and eat fire. And there on this stage, you feel like that dumb lady that could whistle through her hands. You feel like the person, you feel like the oddball, the person who has no talent, the person who has nothing special. You've got to recognize that when Scripture talks about spiritual gifts, we're not always talking about talents. We're not always talking about being, to, being able to do something exceptionally well that would impress people. Not really at all. And it's not really about Sunday morning. And this is what preachers never tell you. It's what I hesitate to tell you. Because there is this drive in most pastors to try to perpetuate the organization. You see, at Woodburn Baptist Church, we have a lot of programs that need a lot of people. You see, God wants your body, but we kind of want your body too in the nursery. We kind of want your body too teaching the college class. We kind of want your body too. And there's this tendency for pastors, when we talk about spiritual gifts, to try to simply plug you in to all the places we want to plug you in. And it all has to do with church. God help us. Because I've already told you, the church is not this building. It's not this program or this Sunday morning. The church is God's people called out from all over the world to praise and glorify Him forever, to do His work in the world so please understand, spiritual gifts are not isolated to what you do in church on Sunday morning. Are you listening to me? The measure of your Christian faith is not your church life. Please listen to me. The measure of your Christian faith is not your church life. It's your life. Your life. And your spiritual giftedness is going to allow you every single day to wake up and be available to God to do his work in the world. We're not talking about your church life. We're talking about your life. Let me be very honest with you. I've done a lot of funerals as pastor in 14 years, and I've loved the folks, always loved the folks that I've been blessed to preach the funerals. I'm not going to disrespect them now. But, but listen to me. It's very typical, come funeral time, for me to ask the family, how would you like 
to have your mother remembered? How would you like to have your brother remembered? What would you like for me to say to honor him at his funeral? People say, Brother Tim, you just say whatever comes to your mind. You knew mama as well as anybody. You just go ahead, Brother Tim. You say whatever you feel because you knew my brother. You knew him as well as anybody. And I used to believe that. But then I preached some funerals. Let me tell you something. I have preached funerals. And I would say, boy, I tell you, Sister, Sister Bernice, she was, she was the kindest, most generous soul. And then I watched her family roll their eyes. Interesting, huh? Brother Eugene was the kindest man. He'd give you the shirt off of his back. And I'll say that, and I'd watch his brothers on the second row elbow each other and smirk. I'm not kidding you. I caught on real fast to the fact that if I only know you on Sunday morning, I may not know you at all. Are you listening to me? It's not about just being generous at church when the offering plate's going by. What about your family members in poverty? You listening to me? It's not just about being kind when somebody pins a name tag on you and, and wants to shake your hand. You understand? It's about going out into the world and living a life, an entire life of kindness. It's not simply about coming to church and keeping the nursery. If God's given you a gift with children, then why don't you open a daycare in your neighborhood? On top of that, why don't you open a daycare and take care of the children of single moms who work third shift? Now, there's a ministry for you. Why don't you do that? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just about your church life. It's not just about how we can build our organization as a church. It's not just about how we can involve you and what we want to do here on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. Are you listening to me? Because I'm trying to tell you something very, very true. That's your Christian life, your life in the Spirit. It's not just about your church life. It's not about being busy for the church and busy at church. The measure of your Christian life is your life, your whole life, your body made available to God, your mind transformed through Christ, your whole self, a living sacrifice every single day to serve Him. That's why you live and if you're not serving him with your whole life, I'm not talking about Sunday mornings. I'm talking about your whole life. If you're not serving him with your life, you are probably a waste of breath and skin. Are you listening to me? This is why you live for him. You live for him. Church is people called by God, transformed through Christ, possessed, our bodies possessed by his Holy Spirit to praise and glorify him forever, to do his work in the world, to bring everything and everybody into perfect harmony through Christ. It's, it's why we live. And when we don't do this, we simply look insane. It's why the world looks at the church and just thinks we're insane. Because what we preach on Sunday, what we say we believe, we do not show with our lives every single day. I'm begging you, I'm begging you, the scripture says, to give your bodies to God. Now, why would you do that? Why would anybody do that? Just give their whole body to God. Why? Because of all he's done for you. Because of all he's done for you. Because of all he's done for you. 
So what will you do for him? What will you do for him? Whatever it is you do, I beg you, do it for him. Pray with me. Oh God, for all you have done for us, we want to live for you. We want to make our bodies available for you. When you look out across the world and you're looking for a church that will live for you, God, see us. Use us. Let us be the church that lives for you. Set us on fire. Oh, God, I pray for individuals in this church, individuals who just don't care, who never stop to think about what you've done for them, Never think about what they should be doing for you. Oh, God, change the way they think. Change the way we all think so that we can understand what you want us to do. Oh, God, we spend a lot of time thinking about what we can't do and what we're afraid to do and what we're never going to do. But, God, just help us to see what we can do and then to do it for you. You've done so much for us. Oh, God. Let us do whatever we can do for you. Not just on Sunday, not just in this church. But Lord, help us to go out and be your people in the world. Send us out, Lord, with fire and passion and something to do. For Jesus' sake, amen.